You're listening to The Blank Page Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Patterson, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. This is a space where I get to talk to creatives, entrepreneurs, and storytellers about what it means to be on a creative path, how to deal with the high highs and the low lows, and how to stay well along the way. As a creative myself, I am no stranger to riding the roller coaster, discreetly crying on the subway slash not so discreetly crying in my car, getting in my head, focusing on results, and just not having a good time. So my hope for this show is to create a community where we can all come together, lift each other up, remind each other to have fun, and feel fortified in returning to that proverbial blank page again and again. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy today's episode. Hey friends, I hope everyone's having a great week. My week's going pretty well. I'm definitely uh, starting to feel that Mercury retrograde shadow, but... All in all, pretty good. I'm in the process of um, leaving one day job and trying to find some, and I have found some that are more flexible, that pay more. Um, It's so interesting as a creative and when you have to have these survival jobs, figuring out what your priorities are at any given moment. And I'm so grateful I have such a great community of friends who are kind of in the trenches with me, who are living a creative lifestyle and um, consistently reevaluating what does and doesn't work and what sacrifices you are willing to make to make money. And right now, my priorities are freedom and flexibility. I want to be free and flexible and I want to be in my worth enough to make more per hour. I have a master's degree and I think often we're like, oh, it's just an acting though. But no, I'm like highly educated and have done a lot of things and I'm very qualified and responsible and so just being in my worth about that and I'm feeling very excited about making these changes. So that's kind of where I'm at. I also got a library card last week, which was very fun. And uh, after I publish this episode today, I'm going to go pick up some of my holds at the library. It's very, very fun. Very fun. Also, Libby, I mean, so many people told me about this, but what a resource. The app Libby, if you have a library card, you have access to all of these audiobooks and ebooks, but the audiobooks are very exciting to me because I've been paying for Audible. So, anyway, enough about the brary. I'm so excited to share this episode with you guys today. Tanya just left probably like an hour ago, and we had such a great conversation. I'm so invigorated and inspired. She reminded me of the importance of community and collaboration and of just consistently doing something, just just sitting down and doing it and recruiting the people you need to recruit. And I just was very inspired by everything that she said and the way in which she's working and moving through the world. And I can't wait to see the stories that she puts out there. Ooh, the badass female characters that are going to come out of this woman in terms of her writing, in terms of her acting, all of it. And I feel like I made a new friend today, so I'm very excited about 
that. You can catch some of her work on the show Timeless that was on NBC. The show that she spoke at length about that she wrote called The Adulterers, you can find on AMC's app or Sundance Now. I am so excited. I just watched the trailer and am already fucking hooked. So I'm very excited about that. You can also catch her on the upcoming stars show Hightown. Can't wait for that. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed being there. I just also want to say another cool thing about podcasting is that it's just some uninterrupted FaceTime with someone and you're just immersed and present in a conversation and it's just beautiful. I'm so grateful. Thank you guys so much for listening and um, for giving feedback and I hope this feeds you the same way that it's feeding me. Let's get to this convo with Tanya but first I want to share a very cute voice message that I received from Kinte and Yardley, who are the hosts of Talking Hell on Wheels, which was the first podcast that I ever did. They interviewed me when I had a great recurrent on Hell on Wheels. And it's such a sweet message. If you guys want to leave any feedback or if you have any questions or comments and you want to leave a voice message, please do so at www.anchor.fm slash the blank page and I would love to feature you on the pod thanks so much for listening you guys enjoy what's up Paige this is Yardley from Talking Hell on Wheels I just wanted to drop you a voicemail and say congratulations on the blank page podcast I am a subscriber and a fan thanks for providing a space for content creators to talk about their journeys it's been fun listening to you you sound like a natural Keep up the great work, and I'm definitely going to keep on listening. So I've got my pom-poms, and so does Kente. Keep doing you. Have fun, and you'll be okay. Yay, so I'm sitting here with Tanya Glantz. Hello. Hi, Tanya. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. So Tanya and I have a few mutual friends. Yes. Yeah. Nika, Ashkan, and then you did Everything You Touch. Is yep. that what it was called? Yeah. Sheila? With Allegra, yeah. With Allegra. Yeah. So kind of amazing. It's always like synchronicity with people in the industry that you get to know. and I know. It's a small community. It's so small. Yeah. But we haven't spent that much time together. So I feel I like know. this is like a recorded version of what our coffee date would be like <laughs> if we were to go to coffee. Totally. Absolutely. This is, we're just going to let everyone in. Yeah. It's going to be very voyeuristic. Voyeuristic. We're going to get to know each other. IRL. Exactly. In real time as well. Exactly. <laughs> so I watched some of your work. What? What did you watch? I watched some of Timeless. Oh my God. And then I watched, of course, I saw you in the play. Right. You're amazing. Thank you. Yes. And I, I guess we got a glimpse of doing a little bit of Nika's workshop. Her workshop. Together. Yes, yes, yes. But you're, ama- you're amazing. You're so grounded and just authentic and cool and thank you yeah <laughs> I'm excited on a selfish level I'm like we're gonna be friends <laughs> yeah but uh, let's talk about your creativity a little bit yeah so I've been asking everyone what was tiny Tanya like what are some of your earliest memories <laughs> of being creative do you feel like it was something that you knew you consciously wanted to do at a young age or was it something that just happened organically as it is want to do with kids um I 
I did always know I wanted to be an actor. Mm. And I think that kids think that and then you kind of grow out of it. But I guess I just never grew out of it. Yeah. Um, I had a grandmother who was very into theater and old movies and she wanted to be an actress herself and she got a scholarship and uh, told me that she she wrote me a letter years later that said uh, I my acting teacher told me that there are some days that you can only eat an apple a day and you're gonna be running around all day and it's really hard work and I would come home to Nano's cooking and I just couldn't imagine like starving myself and going crazy and it just like I couldn't do it I was scared and so she she just she quit but she was still um just really a lover of the arts and cinema and so I really got sucked into her and my grandfather for that matter got sucked into their vortex and it was like season ticket holders to the local community theater and old movies and um and they really I don't know if it was like she actually saw something and was like oh we need to push her in the right direction or if she just put her yeah dreams on me yeah <laughs> totally but it worked I guess so it, um I oh yeah and I and I would perform a lot in the living room yep. put on elaborate shows suck in my cousin or my sister and <laughs> like I had a massive costume box uh-huh. um that was just, we were constantly like piecing things together and putting on performances and dances and da 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 um and I was super into drawing and reading and so mm-hmm. yeah I was just consuming all of it and then I I had done dance and things like that when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. then when I was in fifth grade, we moved to a new district. So I changed schools. And I don't know what or why this happened or what it was, but I had actually a very mean teacher that everyone hated. And we did a play, our class did a play. And she like asked me, like, I, I want you to play the lead. And I got so nervous because I was new. Oh, my God. And I don't know why she picked me or I don't remember if I was – shy in class or outgoing or what I don't know how it led to that but um I said no I don't think I can do it uh I was so terrified and then she was like okay fine and she walked away I was like wait no no I want to do it and, then, oh. <laughs> and so then I, did, I played like the lead in this really <laughs> weird terrible play with no dialogue that was all set to classical music and it was like me journeying through all these different fairy tales and a dreamscape and it was bizarro Wow. Um, and then I think like since then it was like I did the sixth grade play then I was like leading the drama department in junior high and yep. doing all those shows and same in high school mm-hmm. and, that, and it was just always a part of me like it was no question yeah so I guess it did kind of unfold don't you think too like I did it from a young age and I feel like you end up getting this sense of belonging yeah like when you're working on plays and you're in there yeah. like painting the sets and doing the things like I think a not to say, I mean we all have trauma from like high school and, and all these things yeah. but I feel like a lot of that kind of goes out the window when you get involved in in theater in oh way, yeah you know I think about it now and like my adult mind with some uh you know experience and self-reflection and therapy and, whatnot, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think about why I was so drawn to it and like I had divorced parents I had a bunch of siblings there yeah. was always a lot of stress around money and there was yeah. people with mental illness and so there's a lot of like stress and tension and commotion in yeah. my family life uh-huh. and I 
completely think that it was a way to like belong yeah be seen yeah all those things um yeah. not to say I wasn't like I was the oldest kid so of course I was me too showered with you know <laughs> with everything but were you it, like in with your grandparents and everything too yes me first too. grandchild my mom always yeah. says you were just adored and it's yes, true I know they freaked out and I think we have it like I don't know if you feel this way but I feel like there's an inherent sense of confidence <laughs> that I can tap into because of that but there's also yeah. I think I w- dealt with a lot of enmeshment because mm. like everyone you know yeah. is so invested in you in a way that's beautiful but I think if you're not I don't know your personality type but mine was like when it came to like choosing colleges and stuff it would be like oh my god what does grandma think like just that I had oh. all these people who I like, cared about what they thought because yeah. I was adored in I that see. way I was the opposite that's see that's amazing <laughs> I you have zero a bit. ties I don't care what any of my family members Beautiful. think about how I live my life. I don't think they even knew if I was thinking about college or what colleges I was applying to. Yeah. It's just like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Okay, cool. Perfect. Um, I think it also helped because I didn't have any monetary help. So I didn't feel like I owed anyone right. anything. Right. I was right. like, well, right. I'm going right. to do whatever the fuck I want. So um, I always kind of live my life that way. And maybe in a way that's why I kept pursuing yeah. being a performer because I didn't have anyone being like, oh you should really go to medical school right um and maybe that would have derailed me I don't know at a young age yeah I can't say that's amazing yeah (laughs) that is amazing and so then you started acting super young and we were just talking off mic a little bit but I'm like so fascinated by your journey like tell us a little bit about your journey into becoming a professional performer I so I was doing a lot of theater as you do when you're younger and um I feel like I took on a leadership roles pretty early like I had this kind of patched together DIY theater department in high school that was ac- uh, full of amazing people okay, but we just amazing. we had no funding yeah and so I was like I'm taking over and I'm gonna direct the show and, and our teacher was like okay so you were directing great. from a young so age <laughs> I was like we're throwing a gala we're gonna make videos we were editing videos with a double-decker VHS's in like the back of a, of a portable yeah. trailer which was our theater <laughs> but I have to say those people were fucking hilarious and creative and wonderful so um I started and then it was around in high school I got my first agent and I was going out mostly for commercials Uh um some tv here and there but as you know in San Francisco it's very limited yeah um I mean I could have gone on for like gone in for Nash Bridges and that was probably it right right. um so I was going in for commercials and I did some commercials and but it got to the point where I was like having to skip school Mm. to go to San Francisco to go to a commercial audition Mm -hmm. and I was in my senior year and I was so involved yeah it's like I don't want to miss this I don't want to miss that so commercials are rolling the dice anyway so to like miss out on what you love to go like gamble essentially yeah in a way that you're not invested and I was at a weird age where they were still wanting to push me to be kitty like still Mm. like 15 you know teenager and Mm -hmm. I didn't and you're respond. out here working on probably like legit theater pieces and being like, yeah. oh, what? Like, yeah, I was like, this is dumb. So I stopped going out professionally, but then I went to college in the Bay Area. Um, and I, I'd mentioned like I wasn't going to go to college because yeah. you know, I had this agent's yeah. like, go straight to LA. You're primed, you know, 18. Like they yeah. want young and yeah, they're going to suck you up. And I always think like, man, I could have done that. Mm-hmm. And who knows what could have happened. I think you know? All the time too, because like, I was pretty similar. Yeah, like, yeah. would I be Emma Stone or would I exactly. be in rehab? Exactly. <laughs> I really <laughs> don't know. gone a couple ways. I, I really don't know. I don't regret anything because I think it takes so much time to come into yourself and yeah. really know what's what. And yeah. I 
worry for young people and younger version of myself just to get like sucked into to take advantage of I'm also deeply grateful that I kind of grew up in New York and then mm-hmm. came here because I think yeah. in LA I mean I didn't grow up in New York but be- became a proper adult in mm-hmm. New York because I feel like it gives you a different work ethic it gives you totally. I mean I fully think I would have had and this is no judgment but I think I would have had like a pair of fake tits and like <laughs> not a lot of self-esteem if I was out here at a young age you That's know what I wonder and especially at that time like we're talking I'm 37 how old am I 37 mm-hmm. um you know when I was 17 yeah then like yeah. how little was regulated oh how even uh, less of a range there were was for women yep and how they were seen and how they were portrayed yeah what like was I, it like see it would have been like the oc you know what i mean I, like oh yeah stuff exactly like that. i would have like, gone in for the oc i would have i was just gonna say baywatch same thing yeah, you know it's like it, they would have been like bleach your hair out you yep. lose 20 pounds yeah. you know and it <laughs> tan <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah so I don't know it's it, but so I did that and um but I went to school for I found you know love theater and I was doing a summer stock program when I was 16 I did like three plays in a summer Which and one? it was the bowl it was a blast we did um Midsummer Night's Dream uh-huh uh Three Penny Opera oh my god amazing yeah which so I played a I played Moth so they they cast the college students and then yeah. they fill in the little roles with the which young. program was it um it was a Cal State Hayward summer program cool. I don't even remember the name of it but they did it every summer it was a blast yeah and uh they would do three shows in rep you know and most of the big roles were cast with the students and then they would bring in young people and mm-hmm. kind of merge them and let them learn and shows that j- tend to have big casts and younger right, parts right, right. um and then in three penny i played a prostitute in the ensemble Perfect. which was very fun ideal um and then we did a children's show which was little mermaid and i was the little mermaid hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was fun and i just fell in love with everyone i'm still friends with people i met that summer yep and uh and that was it where i was like oh I don't want to go to LA I want to study theater and I want to do plays and these people are awesome Mm -hmm. and like I felt so welcome so I immediately changed course Mm -hmm. applied to go to school there very last minute Mm -hmm. had to fight my way in because they sent me a rejection letter I was like what is this they messed up my test score like they just like entered my information wrong I had to send you know there's no there's no email I had to like send a repeal it was a whole thing I'm getting in I got in um and yeah I was really active there and then I got bored (laughs) yeah um and I auditioned, I was 20, and I auditioned for this company in San Francisco um, called Killing My Lobster, and they were really big at the time. They were like, San Francisco doesn't have um, Second City or UCB. Right. They have bats, but that's improv. They don't really have a, a standard sketch. sketch. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, because it's so, the city's so conducive to that kind of yeah. work and like perfect for it. Yeah. Um, so it was this amazing group and they were all friends from brown they had a big company there they came to san francisco and they blew up and they got all this press and they had like pit they had a hbo pilot in the works and it was kind of like the state i don't know if you remember that sketch show but um really funny really awesome people and i was 20 and everyone in the group was like 34 Holy shit. and it was the first time that they had auditions and they were freaked out so like we're gonna have strangers come in right. so i was one of the two people or three people that they cast as strangers and from that point on it was like this is my new creative home and so that's also so expansive for a gal (laughs) from the bay area to deal with like this pro company (laughs) like from the east coast like 
Yeah. You just slid right in and probably that was like education in and of itself. Like completely. And they were really smart, you know, like it wasn't like I mean, sure there were some fart jokes here and there, but yeah. you know, like they're very intelligent, like very highbrow and um just some of the to this day the funniest people I've ever met in my mm. life. And we all and we did like four huge productions a year. And these just wow. weren't these weren't black box sketch shows. Right. Like not shit on UCB, but like that's kind of what yeah, you think it is. of. These were full-on productions that we would have. We would rotate because we didn't have a theater, so we performed at all these amazing, huge theaters in San Francisco. We did the Magic, the Victoria, and the Bravo, which are Victorian, huge, the 400-seat houses in the city. That's amazing. Um, our costumers were pulled from the SF Opera, and we had full costumes. We had full sets. Each show had a theme. We had live bands on stage who would Whoa. compose music for each show. Like These were full-on productions, and we did like three or four a year. Whoa. So I got thrown into that when I was 20, and that was 20 to 25. And then I started, like, getting back. I got an agent in San Francisco then, and I started going out for commercials and, like, nice. a lot of industrials because that's what you do there. Right. Um, and then the one little part here and there on a TV show or a movie, mm-hmm. anything that came through, you were, like, so hungry for. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's amazing. Those were the golden years. And then came <laughs> to New York. And then I was 25, and I was like, okay, I'm bored. Yeah. It's too small. Um, yeah. So I moved to New York, and I got really lucky there because production had just started to really pick up. Yeah. And I moved to New York thinking, well, this is better than L.A. because I love theater, and I'll still be able to do theater. Yeah. And I did audition with quite a bit of theater there, which is amazing because I didn't know anyone when I moved there. Yeah, and I actually feel like theater, like the off-Broadway scene, is more insular than TV. Oh, I think it's completely. so hard to break into. That's what I mean. Like, it, yeah. It's a miracle I auditioned at all. And I auditioned for great places, like, Playwrights Horizons and like yeah. Club Thumb and like all these companies that I wow. loved and I think it was just from my you know me emailing them or like maybe I met one casting director and um I didn't have an agent or a manager for like, like two years what yeah and you were just like hi yeah because um it's really hard to get an agent in New York and, yeah. and I quickly learned that no one gives a fuck about anything you do in San Francisco mm-hmm. it means nothing to mm-hmm. them so I really had to start over um and then that slowly shifted over. I was like just going out mostly for TV, mm-hmm. and I realized that theater is just not as much of a part of my life anymore because yeah. it's hard to get into. It's hard to get into. Um, I did do. I booked a couple plays in New York, but yeah. it was just from then on out. It's like TV. Yeah. 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 And I feel like the caliber of TV in New York is great. Yeah. They you know, have of great course shows. we have the procedurals and all that, but living out here now, I feel like. I know. I'm like, oh, there's a lot out here, but I don't feel, I feel like a lot of the like prestige projects are still very like cool New York. I agree. You know? It's all those like FX one hours and yeah, yeah HBO and I know here that's like. And like gritty period pieces. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's what I'm hunting after. So that's what yeah. I'm like, yeah. Oh but yeah. It, I can see you like, in a period piece for sure. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's so, that's amazing. So you got there right in the right amount of time. Yeah. And it was funny because I was like, all of a sudden you know yeah oh my god there's so much going on um and then eventually I got a manager blah 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 but um how did that come about I always love hearing those stories I got my first manager you know what I was doing uh that one-on-one place yeah yeah and I was just meeting people through that yeah and then eventually because of I was working Mm -hmm. um my current manager saw me on a show and was like oh she's interesting and Mm -hmm. that was right around the time that I was wanting to leave my reps and or my manager so perfect yeah it all kind of fell into place and I've been with the same agent manager for 
I don't know, eight, seven years. That's amazing. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I got lucky in that way. But um, anyway, yeah, I just had to like work for all of it. Yeah. I didn't know anyone. I had no professional connections. Do you feel like, because I'm I'm so inspired hearing your story, I feel like you've always just had this like inner fire. (laughs) Do you feel... Do you feel like a lot of it was ignorance of just being like, I'm going to go do this? Or do you feel like there was like an inner kind of like, fuck you, I'm going to do it that kept you going? Um, I don't know if it was a fuck you. I think it was more so like, well, this is what I've been doing. And I, why wouldn't they want to audition me for a show? I was doing a bunch of the same weird experimental theater in the Bay Area. It's the same shit. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm here to do. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I would just be self-submitting and those kind of things and um I, I don't think I was much I don't think I was very nervous about it maybe because I didn't know like you said the ignorance of like I didn't know that all these people were from Brown and Yale and, yeah. and that I, was, I had no chance you know because they were all yeah. just funneled in um I didn't even think about that I was like oh cool this is a cool interesting weird experimental play like just like the plays I was doing in Berkeley yeah Rad, let's do it you well, know. I've been thinking about this so much with, like, ego goes both ways. Like, mm. when it gets in your way, like, there's, of course, I think we all hear the word ego on a colloquial level, and we're like, oh, well, thinking that you're better, whatever. But there's also the aspect of your ego that puts other people above you. And mm. I think, like, the people who I've been speaking to lately who I feel like are very successful don't have it either way. Mm. So sometimes ignorance is helpful in that way because yeah. you're like, mm, cool, well, I'm here, so yeah. let me just make something. Instead of being like, oh, my God, this room is full of people who are, like, way better than me. So, oh, my God, like, let me prove right. myself. But the more that we can be in this, like, neutral state of, like, yeah, yeah why not me? Cool, let's go. Totally. I can admire what you're doing and also know that I add a lot to it. So let's go. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that's how I felt. And I just, that's what I came to New York to do. And that's what I had been doing. Like, I was in such a groove, I felt, yeah. in, in my life coming there that it was just, con- I wanted to continue. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And so in addition to acting, what, what else, what are your other creative outlets? Uh, writing, producing, some directing. Um, yeah, I've always, I mean, I came from that company in San Francisco that was very collaborative and I was writing. So you were doing it all anyway. Yeah, we had a great company and I really like collaboration. And, uh, I had some friends, a couple of friends from, San Francisco who were around New York who were like filmmaker types and right when I came to New York my friend Ryan and I they had this like stupid inside joke it's weird uh, it's like Russian party girls basically <laughs> I'm going to it we'd always kind of talk in this voice as these Russian party girls and we we're like oh my god we should just shoot this we should just like follow these characters so that was like a month into my New York time and he had a great camera and we asked our friend Mora and she said I'm busy but you should ask my friend Hannah and Hannah Boss is now one of my good friends, and she's an amazing creative, Whoa. and she's she's a big theater TV person now. And um, so we improvised this short film as these Russian party girls with Fuck, no yeah. script and went all around New York. It's actually amazing. I'm like, where can I see this? You know, it didn't cut together because we didn't have a story. And, and mm-hmm. we looked at all the footage like, this is really funny, but I don't know how it cuts together. Right. So we kind of never saw the light of day. Right. Anyway, I made that film. You know, it was just like I was in that mode of um, – collaboration and stuff and just creating and then Hannah and I um along with Amy Height who lives like a block away from here amazing um we made this web series called Timeless Seasons and it was a a spoof 
on QVC, but like a really low budget, really <laughs> shitty, like it's shot in a community college soundstage, Perfect. cable access. Yeah. Um, and we just made those for no money in Hannah's living room and we just cranked them out and people really responded to that and yeah. we got like a lot of good internet buzz and it was funny because it was one of those things of like what do you do with these web series basically at that time this was right. like eight years nine years ago yeah um maybe even 10 god and so like what do you do with that um but what was so cool is that all these people who I really admired because Hannah's like in the theater scene and knows all these great people would be yeah. like I fucking love that you know so it was kind of cool because yeah. we were just making this thing for fun and it connected with people and um, and we did try taking it around. We had some meetings with TV place uh, execs and talking about developing it. But because of the time it was at, a show about three women was a huge risk. Wow. And no, and we we literally had a TV executive who was a woman at a experimental, low budget network, right. TV network, say, um, "I like this a lot. We can never." pick up a show with three female leads I have chills that's insane this was pre-broad city maybe girls had just come out right and she said if you know she and she did say if I had a million dollars I would and I had my own network that'd be a different story but this is a huge risk for them and so we said like well what the fuck do we do do we write in male characters so that people will take watch us and want to actually work with us right and her advice was no just do your thing and uh, stick to your voice and that authenticity will always ring true but mm-hmm. I guess I felt so beaten down because it's like well yeah maybe it's authentic but then what does it matter if it's so much of a risk and we would see our specs online and it was half and half it was half men half women so it was another one of those myths that we now know of female led projects not reaching a certain demographic or making money or a wide audience right. because it's bullshit but at that time they were still in that mindset and so we made a handful of them. They were really. F- we did festivals. We came out here and did a great festival and screened there. We did rooftop films, and um, it was really fun. And I, I, those are that's just like my favorite thing to do is yeah. collaborate with friends and be involved in every aspect. You know, of like putting the set together, the costumes, writing, the look of it, sitting and editing. Like I just love being yeah. part of every piece of it and producing it and um, having that vision and just like cracking each other up when we're writing or improvising or editing together and it's just a blast and so that was great and then um and then I had a uh, we had talked about this earlier of like I just had a weird I had booked a couple good guest stars and then I had this lull for like two years and was feeling really bombed out like okay I'm just gonna do something else now like I don't know what to do mm-hmm. this is not satisfying and mm-hmm. I'm not feeling fulfilled and mm-hmm. Um, and then my friend uh, and I had done high maintenance, which I loved, obsessed, amazing, and that was the end of the web series. And I met my friend Chris Roberti doing that, and he reached out to me out of the blue because at that time we were like, "Oh, you're really good. We should make something together." Like you know, we mm-hmm. knew we were like complementary. Mm-hmm. We like to work the same way. And he reached out to me out of the blue. He's like, "I don't know. Do you just want to make something? Like I don't know, a short film or something that's easy to make, just to make something. Yeah. I feel like I want to be creative." And I was like, "Fuck yeah." So we just started writing and with no real objective or not really sure what it was going to be and just talking about ideas and really taking our time in writing. And it evolved into this uh, web series that um, called The Adulterers that was like v- very easily 
produced. We mm-hmm. shot it in one room in real time with two people, you know. That's amazing. Yeah, and we're like, that's all we need. And we'll ask friends who we love who are great DPs and sound, ironically people from uh, High Maintenance that we worked with. So like, amazing. I love Zach. He's, he was a camera op. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll want to shoot it. And it's also that thing of being so scared with collaboration of asking people to yeah. donate their time, right. you know, even if and it was one day of shooting. Right. But then them being excited about it and saying yes feels so good yeah. you know it's like a validation yeah. in a way and, and it's encouraging yeah that someone who i admire who's kicking ass in his career believes in us enough to donate a day of his time and make something thinks with that us my because and my talent are worth it yeah, yeah that he thinks it'll be worth his time um so that so we ended up shooting three episodes in a day <laughs> in my friend's studio Whoa. apartment and it was that same thing where we were just like we were so all of us were in the zone in so the well flow. that we knew how to like cut things or like this isn't working da 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 and just like keeping it simple and moving along mm-hmm. and luckily for us it like looked gorgeous yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. flowed really well we really liked what we were seeing and um and then really took our time editing it and like figuring yeah. out tone and seeing what it was and then we went back about almost a year later maybe not quite a year and shot three more episodes and then i was throwing uh, then it's that question again of like okay this is a web series what mm-hmm. do we do with it mm-hmm. Um, sent it to my friend who's a producer at IFC and said like I don't know if this is quite IFC material but do you know any platforms that are just like or a website that might just want to like premiere it just so people see it like we don't care we weren't making this to sell right we weren't making this to pitch yeah we were making it to be creative yeah and it was my friend Maura who said um you know what I don't think you should just post this online because I think you should submit this to some festivals and if you post it online then you'll lose that exclusivity and I think you should try that route first because I think this might could, could go to Sundance or something yeah. it's like okay cool submitted it to Sundance got in which we never thought um they screened Whoa. all six episodes it was an absolute dream and it was just one of those crazy things where it's like people who like the programmers you know coming up to me at a party and be like oh my god I fucking love your your project and here's why and like dissecting it and just getting super detailed about these moments and I have felt such a a sense of uh, ownership and creative fulfillment from that project because I was so it was my baby you know like I I was literally sitting in front of a computer for hours tweaking font size on the title credits and cutting the Mm -hmm. track with my friend and shaving down a second here and a second there and the music cue wasn't quite quite right and spending hours on free uh, music archive sites to find that perfect piece and talking about the color and adjusting the color for hours and you know just like every piece of it and I loved it you know like it was like I loved every piece of it I loved every moment and then to have other people respond to that was just like the best yeah you know because you don't feel like it's anything that anyone told you to do right it came straight from your soul and your right. heart and so to have someone respond to that yeah. and like be like yes I see it too yeah is like really magical and I think that to me that's the essence of creativity and it's not about affirmations of other people like no it. no no that's an added bonus mm-hmm. but um yeah that was really magical and then we sold it to Sundance now um and that was an interesting challenge because we had had a lot of meetings and calls about it people who are interested in it and like really great places but every conversation started with well what's the 30 minute version look like Mm. and we were very adamant about this being a very 
contained small story like we liked that these were slices of life that felt uh, voyeuristic and I liked the challenge of it just being these short like a series of short films right they're moments Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to overwrite it and I didn't want to fill it in with any expected or cliche storylines and have to accelerate this this plot or this relationship for the sake of time right um so I felt very passionate about experimenting with storytelling and how it can be any more and more successful at any length yeah you know our attention spans are this big these days with being on Instagram stories all day and I'm seeing more and more things even on like major networks that you know it's a drama but they fit it into a half hour Mm -hmm. or just like like fuck structure fuck that like what the anticipated um limitations are I think that that's I think it's so rad that you were like "Mm, no I'm gonna stay in the integrity of this project in this way and exactly I didn't want to dilute it and also that's how I feel it's like we're not making this for NBC no we don't have commercial breaks Mm -hmm. why the fuck are we sticking to a 27 minute structure right like why are we so trapped by thinking that that's one way to tell a story and then the second version is 55 minutes mm-hmm. like why it's just or 50 minutes or so right, many commercials right. but I know um, 48 yeah but you know so that was and they were the only people that said yeah we agree Ugh. we love that it's short let's do it let's experiment with it so that was really encouraging um, and then we wrote a second season and that idea was that we might produce it with them and it, I did I loved the second season and it was great because I was like I, oh and again a validation of I'm a real writer, you know, and like I'm getting paid to write and and yes. this is my idea that I came up with and having deadlines and drafts and like loving what we're making like I just loved it. I, f- I felt so in flow and the scripts got a little longer and we wrote more episodes and um and then the whole network got shut down. <laughs> oh god, of course. <laughs> no more original programming. Yeah. So that's like another funny trap of the business. Mm-hmm versus creativity in this world we live in of I love those scripts and they'll never see the light of day right and I don't even really care because the process was great and you brought them to life yeah you can do it again with something else exactly and it was like proving to yourself that you can do it is like worth its weight in gold exactly it was a nice and they were so cool and so laid back and hands off so it was a nice learning experience with how to be hired to develop a show mm-hmm. and and get notes mm-hmm. from executives mm-hmm. that <laughs> sometimes you're like what does that mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything they're saying I feel like it's already there what the fuck are they talking right. about like I don't know I don't know what to do and then two days later being like you know it's kind of right <laughs> yeah <laughs> or finding ways that you think are playing at what they are talking about but staying true to your vision like it's that's an art in itself so yeah um it was a great experience and I I was very sad but I feel now it was just a creative process Mm -hmm. and it was awesome Mm -hmm. yeah this is I'm just loving hearing your story because I feel like you started at such a young age doing full spectrum creating and I want to get into a little bit more about because I'm so focused on like getting through the high highs and the low mm-hmm. lows with this show. And you said you had a two year slump. Do you mm-hmm. feel like 
you still were able to find agency in creating your own stuff or were you did you truly feel like you were just a little bit stunted for two years and was that because you had been in the like the business of it and did yeah. that break your spirit a little bit whereas you know you were doing so much beautiful all-inclusive creative work in the bay and then you come to new york and you start doing tv like the business broke me i started to really hate the industry mm-hmm. and um it felt very soulless to me and mm-hmm. i think i wasn't feeling fulfilled otherwise creatively because my collaborators were doing really well which is awesome mm-hmm. and they were super busy mm-hmm. and so I felt very at sea and mm-hmm. didn't feel ready or inspired yet to make things completely on my own mm-hmm. so I felt like okay I don't have any collaborators I don't have anything going on I'm just going on these stupid auditions all the time they feel soulless I'm not booking what's the point yeah everyone says they like me I'm great and then I don't book it and <laughs> like feedback's awesome but it doesn't pay my <laughs> yeah. rent so exactly, exactly. what the fuck it's something's gotta give and then I feel like we all get to that point when because I've been in that situation too and you're like cool cool and then you get to a place where you're like well what the fuck then i'm coming in here for the 20th time and right. you're like <gasps> like eye roll in the waiting room like yeah. it's just not and then you turn on that smile when you get in there and it just feels lonely and yeah. isolating and like shitty it really did and i was very lucky like the high maintenance thing came during a lull and they just mm-hmm. reached out to me and said, do you want to do this thing? And I kind of knew them through friends or, and I guess I had known Katya from casting, but I think it was a good lesson because like I was obsessed with that sh- web series. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite show. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I guess that was kind of a nice reminder because, Oh, they remembered me Yeah, and they liked me and I didn't even know they knew who I was. I know. And, and the timing is never when we want it to be, but right. it's like how many like, hooks and strings do we have in people that we don't even know about yeah that like in five years they're gonna be like oh my god tanya like i loved what you did on high maintenance right and yeah we just love to offer you this i know it and it does happen like i i waited tables forever i mean up until very recently still because i'm a freak and i'm like if i can't work i will i'm a workaholic and um and like resting how do I do that yeah like I'd rather make money (laughs) so um I have no shame but uh I worked at a great restaurant that you know didn't feel soul-sucking so I stayed I stuck it out and um and during low times I would get notes sometimes from customers of like you were awesome on blah 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 keep keep going you're awesome you know and it's like oh my god you know on a night that I'm like the fuck am I doing in my life yeah I'm just gonna become like an environmental lawyer like you know what I mean I'm just gonna like completely change course because I'm not inspired and I feel like I'm giving my energy to nothing yeah so it's a constant battle um and I did not yeah during that slump I did not feel creative fulfillment until I started writing with Chris and then I don't think it's a coincidence that you started booking yeah 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 that's how it goes exactly and it was like and it's so annoying when because people tell you they're like just make something you know you just gotta and you're like I know okay yeah cool but I want to get paid and da 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 and then yeah when you do get busy doing your own shit and like I know because I was in flow and then and I was doing so much big picture stuff on these projects um that when I would show up to set just to be an actor, it A, felt so easy. Yeah. And B, I was paying attention to so much more. Like I was looking at the script being like, can we cut this? Can we change this? You know, like, yeah. uh, no, I wasn't the only one, but luckily I was on that in the kind of cast where people were open to that and right. writers were open to that. But 
I, I felt confident doing that. Yeah. I felt um, technically I was paying attention to different things and all of that because I had this kind of bird's eye view of doing that for so long. Yeah. So I think, like you were saying, I mean, I, I think it only informs everything. Mm-hmm. It informs being an actor, it informs being a writer, all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you, when you are in lulls, whether they're long or short, how do you deal with staying well, staying in your magic? What are what do you consume in terms of entertainment, books, mm. whatever? <laughs> do you is there are there workouts that you do? Mm. Like what are your return to Tanya? It's funny because you're actually catching me still in quite a time of transition. Cool. Because me I too. yeah, I'm still f- I'm still figuring it out and it's getting better. Yeah. I um I moved here in December, so almost a year. Me but too, I the January. Oh really? Yeah, we're on a similar journey. That short of time? Okay, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. So it's been almost a year, and um, and I was I I got here and I got pretty busy pretty pretty quickly because mm-hmm. it was pilot season, mm-hmm. and then it got really quiet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing mm-hmm. here? Oh my god, I don't know anyone, and it feels very lonely here. Feels like the walls are closed. I feel like in LA the things that are good about it which is like the space and the peace and all this stuff when you're not working or you're not in yeah. in this flow that we keep talking yeah. about it feels like the walls are closing in completely i i really took for granted the community of new york the built-in community yes and i guess i mean we both had been there for a while and yeah you think you think that that's just there and it's not it's it's years and years of subconscious and conscious work of of making this weaving of people I really thrive off that and I thrive off being around artists Mm -hmm. who inspire me Mm -hmm. and that is uh, I think a part of the lifestyle there is that there's so much happening culturally artistically even if you're not an artist yourself you find yourself inevitably at someone's performance or at some amazing event and yeah everyone reads on the subway yeah like god i miss reading and, uh, <laughs> i know i know and um anyway so i i'm in this time of transition and so i'm still really trying to like find my flow of how to st- how to stay in flow i'm trying to find my routine of how to stay in flow mm-hmm. and um for me i was lucky because i was still writing for the adulterers for a long time when i was here so i had that to chip away at when I wasn't auditioning and now that that's we're done with those scripts and that's not moving forward yeah when did that when did that all kind of implode uh uh, two months ago oh wow so it's really recent yeah um so now I'm taking this time and 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 the way we had written that show was that we would take separate scripts so I was writing alone but I had a sounding board where I would write it send it to my writing partner what do you think any thoughts and were you writing while you were working as an actor also yeah like on the days I wasn't working you know Mm -hmm. um so I'm I wish I had some (laughs) magic answer it's like I get up at 5 a.m and I I write no actually two hours and I meditate yeah like I want to be that person so badly I'm not yeah I'm 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 such a night owl Mm -hmm. and I'm really this week I've actually been like I'm getting up at 8 30 every day and it's been awesome Mm -hmm. um I'm still trying to find those things that I can do daily to make me feel in flow. And in general, those things are writing. So I started writing on a, a new idea by myself, cool. um, which is the first time I've done this. Like I'm going to write a, develop a show and write a 30 minute pilot completely on my own. And 
I'm very lucky because I have a writing agent and so yeah. I, and he's really involved and he's cool so I still do kind of have a sounding board and he's mm-hmm. he's a hard ass he's a ball buster and yeah. so he he is someone who'll be like okay send me a summary of the whole series by Friday and I'm like fuck yeah. you know but yeah. yeah but I need it and so it's nice because I don't feel like I'm totally just in the wind mm-hmm. um so I've been working on that and I have to say every time I like finish that summary or finish that draft or finish that whatever that he wants to see to keep me on task every time I clean it up and send it in and I'm like fuck yeah you know like it makes me feel so good and so I know I know that's something that I need Mm -hmm. and I was just thinking today like nothing may ever come of this idea right but I the practice itself again is like so fun Mm -hmm. and so cool and it kind of also gets to the core of what's important to me mm-hmm. like all these characters I'm writing are people in my life it's myself it's experiences I've had it's things I think about it's things that inspire me um and I hope it's things that people connect with or that they yeah. haven't seen before but um it's interesting because I think that it's good to get clear with that but it's also hard because when you go in for these half hour sitcoms I'm like what the fuck is I don't yep. care a fuck about this yeah so I really have to like psych myself up to do that but um and I also know that eating healthy and exercising are givens Mm -hmm. and I of course feel better when I do that Mm -hmm. I don't exercise every day I try to go a couple times a week to the gym or yoga I know like again I wish I was that person that got up at 6 a.m and did yoga and wrote for three hours yeah maybe someday I will be I'm not yeah (laughs) right now um and then I'm just culturally I try to I, people all say like oh it exists in LA there's cool stuff in LA I don't think it's as cool as New York I don't either and it's very <laughs> spread out I know but I do try to see old films um at the Egyptian mm-hmm. they have a good program um any kind of cool comedian mm-hmm. that I know of um I see maybe one or two plays a year here like mm-hmm. sometimes a touring production will come through um to the taper or something and like okay I have to go yeah I try to seek out those cultural things that still feel inspiring to me and really make myself do it Mm -hmm. um to soak it in here so yeah like I I guess I'm always kind of looking for those like cool underground things yeah I think it takes a long time yeah but um yeah consuming film um I, I don't watch a lot of big blockbusters though I did see Hustlers which was awesome oh my god so good it was great um (laughs) but yeah I try to see older films or I really try to support smaller films um but it's also hard because Mm -hmm. I have like five streaming services so like or I could just watch a movie for free at home I have everything I I was driving and I saw like first of all this new Apple thing looks so legit like Mm -hmm. I'm so excited about all their content I'm like okay cool there's another what I don't even know how much it is. And then the Disney Plus, I'm like, I'm going to want to know. Like, I get FOMO. I just, even if I'm like, I won't even finish the series, but I'm like, even CBS All Access, I'm like, well, I want to see why women kill. Like, I just want to see these things. So it's it's like. They really suck you in by spreading it all out. I know. I'm like, well, Amazon's really good, but Netflix has this. Yeah. And I feel like as an actor, like, I want to be informed also, like, on what's, what is on each platform. Yeah. It's, oh, God. I, do, I bought the year subscription to the Criterion Collection, and Ooh, that's, that's been good. it's been great. That's also like 
in education. Totally. And yeah. so that's the thing. I feel like I, sometimes it feels hard. Like I'll watch a really old movie that's like maybe I'm a little tired yeah. and it's black and white. I'm like, this is hard. But I that's a part of that education yeah. of staying inspired. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it. And I may not love every movie and some I do, but mm-hmm. um, that's been a good tool for yeah. ins- inspiration. Um, and those are the t- t- kinds of stories I tend to gravitate towards anyway, like kind of 70s raw. Oh my God, I'm obsessed right now. I'm reading a bunch of Eve Babbitts and I'm like oh, so obsessed oh. with like. Is it, where's that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With like, and and this autobiography that this woman wrote about, or not autobiography that this woman wrote is in, cr- it's the most alive biography I've ever read. And living in Whoa. LA, you'll love it because okay. it's so quintessential LA. Yeah. And it's just like this woman did all these things and was an artist in so many capacities. And she called herself a groupie, but I mean, she was just like fucking all these like huge. Wait, it's not the Pamela DeBar one, is it? No. I'm with the band. Okay. Cause it's a similar. That's exactly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm so into that. Like, yeah, that time period. And, yeah. And, LA, and it makes me like, like LA a little bit more. Not that I don't, I mean, obviously I love LA. I moved here, but it makes me like, but New I, York is so rich and old. I know, but that's the thing I get depressed about. Like I feel like filmmaking used to be about stories and relationships and there would be a major release that was just a story about these two people and like fabulous writing and fabulous acting and gorgeous filmmaking and now like people don't either it doesn't make money or they don't think it's going to make money unless it has like some kind of kooky twist or it's a fucking superhero movie Mm -hmm. you know or it's like a terrible Mm rom-com and or an, an, a car movie or some shit, right, you know? Right. And it's like, I went to go see um, After Hours, which is, have you seen that? Mm-hmm. It's old, oh my God. It's a, kind of a forgotten Scorsese comedy mm-hmm. starring Griffin Dunn. It's absolutely brilliant. They played it at the Egyptian. Mm-hmm. And Rosanna Arquette has a, a great cameo. Obsessed She's obsessed with her. It's fucking phenomenal yeah. in it. She was doing, uh, there doing the Q&A. And she said that, you know, she said, I feel that people don't take risks anymore and it's all about money. And because someone said, how do you compare movies from the 80s to today? And Mm -hmm. she said, that's a lot different. People don't take risks. People don't want to lose money. People don't really care and or respect the artistry and creativity anymore, it seems. She goes, there are exceptions. And I think that's now moving to TV. TV. I was going to say TV is like where it's at. Like I'm seeing more and more of like, whether they're anthology series or just like small cast beautiful projects did you, know? you watch Un- uh, unbelievable no oh it's great is that is it like partial animation no that's um undone undone okay. i watched a couple episodes of that it's cool unbelievable is um the tony collette merritt weaver oh cop. no no, no. True, i want you on true netflix story great that was one i watched recently i was like you know this is really clever and great because yeah. it is that cop drama crime story that isn't yeah. you know it could be a procedural mm-hmm. it's not changing the game but the way they way they developed the characters the writing the performances was subtle mm-hmm. and nuanced and really cool and unique and new without mm-hmm. having to wave some flag that's like it's the version of this yeah. you know it's the female version also, of Baba. why is everything a remake now yeah, it's so embarrassing it's horrible it's I never know. gonna be as good why are we doing it like i know there i just read another one the other day um i want to say it's saved by the bell 
come on yeah leave it I feel I feel embarrassed as a consumer that people think we're so fucking dumb I know and the thing is there's a million pilots out there you know and it's like why would you not green light something that and even if it's like unbelievable which is our crime drama PS people love it they love murder and da 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 you know oh my god but have it have a feminist point of view that's real well, I feel like you're you know? answering this now, yeah. but a question that I have from Instagram, from Ika, is um, <laughs> what kind of stories do you think need to be told right now? What kind of stories do you want to see mm. being told? I'm really interested in women. Mm-hmm. Um, I am and have been interested in portraying characters that are like people in my life, my friends. Um, I think people are complicated. I don't think they're all one thing, and and I think that television is evolving. But you know, I the the hot mess girl is a fun character, but a lot of people I know go out and party really fucking hard, but have a job and are a kind, good person and yeah. have goals and aren't just like a shit Wrecking show. Balls. And like, yeah, so I'm interested in that. I'm interested. I mean, something I was uh, exploring with adulterers is female desire Mm. and being really unashamed about that. And, and people who just like, don't give a fuck. I'm really drawn to that right now. And that's kind of infused in the new project I'm writing too. Like women who are just like, I don't give a fuck. Like I'm not going to play by anyone's rules. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm interested in these things we carry with us all the time from our childhood or our experiences in life that are like nearly undetectable and how they manifest Mm. (laughs) you know in subtle ways in our relationships um which I mean maybe it's like I'm just writing a huge therapy session I don't know but (laughs) but yeah I'm interested in that and um I'm interested in female relationships and all their complications and beauty and like Mm -hmm. women supporting each other Mm -hmm. and women being there for each other and lifting each other up and it doesn't have to be all sunshine and rainbows but um I'm really bored of women being pit against each other and competing you know stories of female friendships without the patriarchy (laughs) like without the presence of that I was so obsessed with um Wow, why am I blanking on it? Pen 15. Elena Ferrante. Oh. Well, that too. But <laughs> Elena Ferrante, I loved those oh, books because yeah. I thought that was the most beautiful portrayal of female friendship and like all mm-hmm. of its like complexity. And even though it was a period piece, and I I really enjoyed the HBO show. My I husband, need to watch my it. My husband was a little bit like, this feels a little bit like melodrama. But I read this <laughs> amazing article that compared, well, didn't compare, but was like, these are the roots of The Sopranos. Mm. and I was like whoa like it gave me like a whole new lens through wait it. the Ferrante show yes wow. like they were like these are the, this is like a generation before all of the people on the Sopranos and it's oh it's like God. it's like they're low class people in Naples and how they're oh. dealing with like classism and like gender constructs yeah. and all this shit and the vi- it's so violent like okay yeah it's really cool I have to watch that yeah I really enjoyed it and it was something you know it's funny I'm 
being married, there's these shows that you end up watching together. And yeah. I think it's always good to have your own shows because then those are the ones <laughs> yeah. that you're like, I don't have to wait for you to get home. Yeah, but yeah, also, yeah. Yeah. you know, when you go see a movie by yourself or a play by yeah. yourself and you're like, it's just me yeah. and my aura taking this in. Because I feel like sometimes even if you're sitting next to a friend, you like Absorb. you're inferring yes, each other's yes, and absorbing yeah yes. so it is like really fascinating to take in things on your own my boyfriend's an editor and oh god <laughs> I have to say you know and, and I'm not I don't care I'll be like well I liked it yeah but it is so rare that we walk out of a movie and he's like that was fucking great amazing you know yeah. he's just like this didn't work like mm. there was no story like I don't this, there's no buildup you know like right he's he's so technical in that way yeah. anyway, um no I agree and I, I just I was remembering it's going back to the thing about women like not being just one thing um there was a moment in unbelievable the Tony Collette mm-hmm. Merritt Weavett show but um these are badass women you know and and they're just doing their jobs and mm-hmm. there was these there were a couple great moments and they're kind and they're cool and likable people mm-hmm. But there were a couple of moments where, you know, things were getting hectic at the station and, you know, and they were like, they needed some reports, they needed some evidence and they were hot on the trail mm-hmm. and um, they just stepped into their power in such an authoritative way with a room of a lot of men just in the way of like, hey, I need this now. And, and I wasn't joking around. Please, please do this for me. Thank you. I'm mm-hmm. Come on come on guys let's go and it wasn't her being she's a, a bitch, bitch. Exactly. exactly it wasn't like whoa we saw yeah. she has an anger Ooh. problem uh-huh. and it wasn't her struggling and it wasn't nobody rolled their eyes everyone was just like got it thanks right. boss cool and it was just her being a fucking boss and doing what needed to get done not more not less but but in that moment you saw her and you're like oh shit yeah Mm-hmm. like she wears the fucking pants yeah and she does and she's powerful yeah but she didn't have to push it and like I love True Detective and that first season obsessed but yeah. these dudes are so volatile like and it's part of the fun of watching right, it but right. like man you know like one thing pushes them over yeah. the edge and they're yeah. like punching out a window yeah. or you know and like yeah. fucking the wrong people mm-hmm. and like they're all messed up and they have all these anger issues yeah. and they're so complicated and mysterious and I like that these women were just like I'm pretty normal together and badass Mm -hmm. with I don't know like it was just so refreshing so I think about that moment a lot and it was simple like it wasn't even a thing they didn't even make a moment out of it but I was just so struck by it so well I've been thinking of like talking to so many people for this podcast it's and I was talking to you off mic a little bit about like I don't even know how to begin to think about writing Mm -hmm. and I think it's for that reason. I think that I'm like, I am, I am, I have still absorbed patriarchal ways of looking at women. And Mm. I think that I look at myself that way. Mm. And so how do I, but I know that that's not who I am. And I know that there's a wholeness to me, but I'm like, how do I even begin to put that wholeness on paper? God. And I know that it's just scenes, right? It's just like, it's interactions and how does the wholeness show up? But it is like, God, how do we do that? I mean, that's real. Yeah. What you said, because there is also that part of us that might like to develop this thing we're writing, or if that's the intention, right? Say right. you're writing a pilot, and it's like, yeah, I want to star in my own show. That's my dream, or whatever. Say right, that's right. your dream. Sell it to a network. You can't help but think to play into what is sellable or what people are looking at, which right. is what we've been fed. And I I guess I just 
I guess it's easier said than done. It's mm-hmm. easier it's easier to talk about it than practice it. But I think not. I'm always of the mindset of not doing that and being like, fuck that. Fuck you. Yeah. That's boring to me. Yeah. Um, and you might get less of a response. And I guess after talking to you, too, I'm thinking like, the wholeness of that woman comes from who you're collaborating with, right? Mm-hmm. So if you get a director you trust, if you get all these right. people you trust, right. then you're all building that woman together and holding each other accountable. Mm-hmm. And it, there's like, it's just it's just easier when, when she's in the right hands and in, and in totally. a village's hands, you know, not just yours. And if you're building a project, if it's yours, you pull in the people you trust. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of it. Um, I just, I guess I just believe that people want to connect to something real. God, they really do. They really do. And so when you are trying to make something that you think will be a thing. It's going to go nowhere fast. It, it feels transparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, and those things do get sold and made. There's a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, for me, I feel like if I'm going to make something, why would I make something that's like everything else I've been going in for right. that I don't feel inspired that I by. I don't want to fucking yeah. <laughs> that I'll do for my health insurance. But exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's an interesting opportunity to go deep and like I said, like I don't know. I'm I might put this thing out there and people are like, cool, cool therapy session. <laughs> or I want to see that. All I want to hear about <laughs> a therapy session. Right. And or, deal undoing childhood trauma and exactly. ancestral trauma and Exactly. Or there might be people who are like, whoa. I totally get that. Yeah. That's interesting. I yeah. haven't seen that t- told that way or right. talked about that way. Thank God this um, is here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a risk and it's super, it's scary. Mm-hmm. It's a risk and yeah. it's always going to be scary. But um, I, and I definitely have that thing of like, what are people going to think? Like even when I put out that show, it's called The Adulterers, it's about these people having an affair. Yeah. I definitely had that moment of like, people are going to hate this. Right. People are going to judge me. They're going to judge these characters. I don't yeah. think they're going to like these characters. Yeah. Why are they going to go get on board with them? Mm-hmm. But the way we told the story and the tone, um, it was, you instantly were sucked in mm-hmm. and you were rooting for mm-hmm. them. And I had so many people <laughs> come up to me at the festival and be like, I had, I had a, an affair. I, I had a flirt. I had an office guy. I was just had a thing oh with forever. God. Oh, oh my God, that moment totally made. It's like holy shit, mm-hmm. and I thought people would hate it, and it drew people in. Yeah. So I think that you can never quite know or underestimate who you might connect with. And I think we're in an exciting time. I know so many people are like, oh my God, like with social media and with all these things, like we're on the verge of oversharing. But that also like the container's bigger mm-hmm. for us to talk about things that like our grandparents and parents wouldn't want to talk about right but would love to see and even if you you go and watch old movies and you're like oh wow that's hinted at that's Mm -hmm. very much there but Mm -hmm. now we're able to like really explore it yeah so it's kind of liberating it's totally liberating and the cool thing is now is that you were not just making things for abc Mm -hmm. or for a studio picture Mm -hmm. like you can make something for i don't know Vimeo Mm -hmm. or like HBO Max Mm -hmm. or there's so many outlets now and there's so many places for work that I feel like I mean there's like so many niche yeah streaming services now you know like crackle Mm -hmm. pop like I don't even know what's on there but I know friends who do projects that are on there so I'm like okay cool like things are happening yeah so I just feel like don't limit yourself Mm -hmm. yeah what do you feel like is the biggest hindrance to your creativity 
myself mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> self-doubt self-doubt and um, procrastination yeah oh man we've talked about procrastination a lot mm-hmm. on here <laughs> I love to think about writing and not do it yeah and it's interesting because I'm reading a, a book right now called Daily Rituals. Have you read it? No. Oh, it's great. Um, it's Wait, two. who wrote this? I, uh, it's some, some dude, but it's a collection of, of very short excerpts. And he did one version that was like a, a wide range of daily rituals. Mm-hmm. And then he realized after it came out and was a success that only 17% of the entries were about women. So he did a follow-up that's just women and it's everyone from like Nina Simone to uh, I don't know Ava DuVernay you know like it's it's, it's a span of um, different types of mediums and times and and he said I realize that women have very different obstacles and most of these women when they talk about not having time to be creative it's because of children husbands all these things so anyway he dedicated this book to women and I'm reading it to inspire me to (laughs) have a daily ritual which I really struggle with but uh it's so funny because some people do say, you know, I was working a job. Who was it? Um, Maya Angelou. I was working a job and I had kids and I'm, the only time I can write and have time to myself was when I got up at 4.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, that's insane. But that was her process. But then, and then there are people who say, oh, it took me two years to finish a poem. Like mm-hmm. I'm the slowest writer ever. Yeah. I can't force it. So I think it's just what works for you. And it I guess is. I start to feel bad because I'm like I should be writing every day no I was gonna say just even hearing you say like oh I I wish I was one of I'm like no 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 but obviously like what you're doing like that might be your process you might not be someone who benefits from having a ritual you might be someone who needs different stimulation every fucking day right and that's your process and that's totally valid and fine yeah there are some people who grip for dear life to their process and their same ritual every day and for some people it serves them for some it doesn't yeah you know Exactly. And I think I'm, I guess I'm trying to figure out what that is. You know, like I, people say like, oh, I write best at two in the morning. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know. I don't have <laughs> no. practice enough to do that. But yeah, like I, there's this uh, Bukowski quote where he says, if it doesn't spill out of you, if it's not bursting out of you at the seams, if your idea isn't like forcing its way out of your body, then don't fucking do it. Like don't Ooh. write it. And I've had those moments where yeah. it just spills out and it's easy and mm-hmm. I write a script in half an hour and it's done and it's great. Right. But then I read something else, like in this book today, of this woman who's an author saying, like, fuck inspiration. You need to write every day. Just sit down and And it's it. going to be shit. Yep. And there might be a kernel yep. of something. And she's like, I don't work that way. Yeah. I have to force myself to do it mm-hmm. every day. And then I start to see things. Like, so, yeah, it's just varies person to person. And yeah. I think, I know for me, my biggest obstacles are fear, self-doubt, procrastination. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing. Not trusting myself. And... Yeah. yeah, trusting your voice and and then just doing it. Yeah, like not talking about it, doing it. Yeah, <laughs> so the show's called the blank page. Yeah, how do you return to that blank page again and again? Is it different every time? What do you feel like you have to clear out past things, or is it mm. just like we're saying? Do you just show the fuck up and do it? A blank page meaning like starting a new project, starting anything new. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's I think it is just diving in and doing it whether I know it or not Mm -hmm. I mean it's so I I think especially being an actor on film it's so hard sometimes to have perspective like sometimes you feel it you know and you're like that was fucking awesome we were connected yeah blah 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 sometimes I shoot something and I'm like that's 
I was not good in that. That sucked. And then someone who worked on the show is like, that's my favorite scene. No, you truly. Know. Or, or like recently I was clearing out my like hard drive and my friend was over. We were doing a self tape for her and she was like, I want to watch your tapes. And I was like, okay. So we were just watching them and I was like, these are fucking good. Yeah. And half the time yeah. I was sitting here being like, oh God, I'm garbage. It's so yeah. bad. And I was like, no, like overall, like it's good work. Like, yeah. I feel the same way. I've know? gone back and watched past tapes and I'm like, she's good. good. She's fire. Yeah. And at the yeah. time I'm like, Ugh, Ugh, terrible. So I hate bad. myself. My hair well, looks weird. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. I'm just not getting it. I'm just not getting the scene. And you're like, yeah. no, the story was told very clearly. Yeah. I think we, we doubt our own, um, what we show up with is a story on its own, you know, like everything about us and our own experience. And, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I guess going back again and again is just the accumulation of all those things and your experiences. And hopefully you take a little bit with you each time and learn a little bit more and, um, keep that momentum rolling, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. so that each time it comes around, you're like, okay, figuring myself out a little bit more you yeah. know and um and knowing what I can't worry about and knowing what works for me and what doesn't yeah um but it varies from project to project too. totally you know like I feel like some things take so much prep mm-hmm. some things I'm like I just need to show up and be present yeah you know like it's <laughs> yeah. like it, it just totally depends but yeah totally. I yeah well this is so good you want to do some rapid fire questions oh yes okay. please um, what is your favorite meal you've had in LA? Uh, I love pine and cream. Yeah, those Dan Dan noodles. So good, those Dan Dan, Dan noodles. Everything's good there. Truly, though. Spicy peanuts, everything. The spicy peanuts. I went to a, um, a like women's creative dinner and they had that mm. delivered, and I was like, what? Yeah. It's so really good. good. So good. It's really good um blue or black ink black how do you take your coffee uh with a little bit of milk usually i've been using coconut mm. milk coconut cream like a can yeah. of it it's so good pure the one from trader joe's just the real deal yeah just like a can of coconut milk keep it in the fridge uh-huh <laughs> what city do you want to visit next uh i'm going to new york in november and i'm really Me excited too. yeah i can't wait i'm going over thanksgiving and i've been missing it me too i'm really excited do you think it's the fall yeah i think it's the fall it's I'm like, nostalgic. why am i missing it so much i like want to be in the west village with a coat on totally like, i know yeah. i have these like beatnik fantasies where i'm like i just want to be like drinking a coffee in a cafe with no. my book legitimately with my book on yeah. the subway that i can't do that around seeing friends yeah. yeah which i can totally do here yeah like it- what am i <laughs> Doing? feels different there yeah totally. <laughs> um what when you were a kid and you went to blockbuster or the video Ooh. store what was the movie that you picked up again and again <laughs> or who was the actor whose work you picked up again and again when i think of blockbuster i'm catapulted to like age nine Legit. ten and i think my favorite movies then were the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah. starring Christy Swanson and Luke Perry, mm-hmm. um, and Drop Dead Fred. Oh yeah, which is so weird. Wait, did you do you know about this that podcast? Is it how did this get made? Is that what it's called? No. Well, there's one with Drop Dead Fred that I've heard. <laughs> I'm actually gonna look it up and send it to you because please. I have like heard nothing but hel- hilarious things about it. Oh please. Like some people are Team Fred and some people are Team. I can't remember because I've never seen it, but they were d- explaining it to me and they were like. 
he's fucking creepy. And then it's people weird. Are like, no, he's amazing. Like, it's a weird movie. Somebody cast this one. <laughs> Please. And then I'll put it in show notes so that if anyone <laughs> listening is like, what the fuck is she talking about? Well, that, you're going to put that out there and then that's going to be the next reboot. I mean. Yeah. Oh, God. Favorite book. You can pick top three. I know that's a hard question. Uh, if I had to pick one, I'd say Jitterbug Perfume. Mm. Tom Robbins. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Speaking of perfume, what's your favorite scent? Ooh, I love a, I love a spicy, woody, patchouli you know there's one called um book i forget who makes it but it's supposed to smell like a dusty old library and That's i love amazing. it um but natural s- real sense in the world um rosemary yeah yeah so good yeah so good what's the worst day job you've ever had <laughs> i did like some event uh day things in new york where it's like we're having this event and we need like people to you know greet people yeah. or hand out flyers yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. you know and like I promo was stuff. yeah like they needed people to like direct people or whatever and I was doing one I don't even remember what it was for or who it was for and it was down um I don't know somewhere around like 40th street or something and I remember the, the worst and I remember this oh. guy being like when you talk to people like make sure you're smiling a lot and like make sure you're greeting everyone and really smiling and I was so mad and over it and I was like and I just said um no that's creepy yeah and weird yeah (laughs) he was like it's not creepy I was like I don't want to do that and then I don't think they ever asked me back perfect (laughs) what's your favorite cafe in New York Ooh, that's a good question again top three is totally man oh man cafe let me think about this um this isn't even like a cool nostalgic cafe but there's one in port green on fulton called um the annex Mm -hmm. and it's huge Mm -hmm. and they just have good food and it's always really crowded and i can barely get a seat but i just liked going there i used to work by there so i had time i'd go in there first and yeah it was just really bright and they had good food and drinks and i liked going there to read and work on stuff or Mm -hmm. whatever and they were open late like nine or ten and they served wine so i liked that because if i wanted to go right like outside of my house and i was like and it's 8 p.m and i kind of want a glass of wine i don't want coffee like there was a place to go to for that which was really that's nice yeah that was a good spot yeah i love that what's your favorite color to wear black I'm like the opposite. Uh, I mean, I'm wearing black right now, but I've been like white. Like since I moved to LA, I'm like, who am I? Like a Kundalini? Like what am I? Doing? I wear so much black. I I guess that's the city girl it's in me. It's so New York. I feel yeah. already like I'm like planning this trip, and I'm like, oh, I need my black. Like, it's just a default to me, and it's so funny because I had to take um, new commercial headshots. Bless. I was really mad about yeah. it, and. uh you know they give you all these rules and it's like no black no white and like i just had to buy a thousand shirts and then return them because like i don't own no. any of these colors these, like brightly colored no like, like jewel tone tops no. yeah yeah oh my gosh <laughs> so wild what's your favorite live performance you saw in new york oh wow that's a good question in new york um i've been thinking about this for myself like what are the theater performances that i saw mm-hmm. that, I, that are still like so 
alive inside of me. This wasn't a theater performance, but um, this was a concert. I go to a lot of concerts, and Mm -hmm. I just was reminded of this the other day. I went to see um, Anthony and the Johnsons at Radio City Music Hall, Mm -hmm. and it was a collaboration with MoMA. And so the whole set and the stage was just insane. It had these really, like, modern contemporary art sculptural pieces hanging it was lit really beautifully and surreal and there was a whole choir of people behind him in white and he was wearing white and he has this amazing haunting voice and there was a huge orchestra on stage and after every song the whole set would move these pieces would shift and the lighting would change so it was like this strange sculptural environment and it was just completely surreal like that was that was really something um, for theater, I, well, before I lived in New York, I went to go see The Pillow Man mm. with Billy Crudup and Jeff Goldblum, and mm-hmm. that was spectacular. Um, I remember really liking Reasons to be Pretty because that was, I think, the first time I saw her in Ireland and mm. something, and I was like, man, I, I, I just was so affected by mm-hmm. her. She's magical. Spe- so fucking special. Yeah. Heartbreaking yeah like I just thought she was magical and then um I saw in like early on previews at CSC of um Venus and Fur with Nina Arianda yeah I went with my friend and we were like that girl's fucking awesome yeah she just blew the roof off the place you know like she just like came in and like just tore it up yeah and she was so weird yeah like her comedy and her choices were like so bold yeah and she was so weird um she was so her own thing yeah She's so specific and weird, and she was just going for it. And it was sexy, and it was hilarious, yeah. and it was strange. And whole woman, a whole woman. She was so powerful. So I think about that a lot, too. Ugh. What is something that you think all creatives listening need to hear? It's usually something that you need to hear yourself. Oh, boy. I mean, I guess going back to what I mentioned earlier, which is trust your voice and what you have to say Mm. and don't censor it and self-doubt because you think it's not marketable or that it's something that hasn't been seen before that it's not a safe choice right um because i think people will gravitate to authenticity Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. well thank you so much for doing this thank you i just got so much out of this as i always do but Thank you for having me. Of course. Great um, coffee hang. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it again sometime. Yeah. Off mic or on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. Thank you. Friends, thank you so much for tuning into the Blank Page Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to the show, rate, review, and if you have a friend you think might benefit from these conversations, let him know about it. Spread the word. Let's create a community where we lift each other up, support each other through the shitty times, and celebrate each other's wins. Please let me know if there's any way that I can support you in your journey. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful day.